This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio Season 5, Episode 34. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 34 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hetton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hetton. And today we are talking about a topic that is close uh, to my heart at home as a parent, as well as an educator in a school district. Um, Anya, I have a 16-year-old son, and balancing screen time can often become a source of conflict in our house. So I'm um, looking forward to hearing some ideas and sharing um, some strategies from Anya's book, The Art of Screen Time. And we are talking with our author, Anya Kamenetz. Um, she's authored several fascinating books, Generation Debt, um, DIYU, EduPunks Entrepreneurs and the Coming Transformation of Higher Ed, uh, The Test, and also the book we're talking about today. And you might remember that we previously spoke with Anya about The Test in Season 2 on Episode 28. Uh, Anya gra- graduated from Yale in 2002, and she currently lives in Brooklyn. So looking forward to this conversation. All right. Thank you so much, Lynn. So welcome to the show again, Anya. Thanks, Randy. We appreciate your time. And so we're uh, leaders of a school district here in Allentown, Pennsylvania, a small school district, about 1,600 students. And uh, we've we've had a one-to-one device program, K through 12 now, for probably, I think, eight years, something like that, Lynn. And I remember starting out eight years ago with this and, and a lot of pushback from parents on um this idea of screen time, like were kids just going to be sitting in front of screens all day, and and what that did in the home uh, to to sort of change the role of parenting. So um, we'll take some of those experiences and and mix them in with some of your ideas and and have a really good conversation here today. So let's start off with a, a sort of personal connection. What? How did you get connected to this idea of children, teens, and screen time? What what sort of motivated you to study this? Well. As you mentioned, Randy, I mean, I have been thinking a lot about how education is evolving and the role of technology uh, for many years. And what struck me when I became a parent in 2011 was the incredible gulf between the dialogue about screens at home and screens at school. And, And it sounds like you ran into this as an educator uh, as well, that, you know, parents are really told to fear screens and that their job as parents is to keep kids away from screens. And that is such a huge contrast with the promises that are made 
oftentimes by technology companies and manufacturers about what screens are going to be able to do for children and help them uh, prepare for the future. And so, you know, it always kind of strikes me that the truth tends to be somewhere in the middle, but it was so hard to reconcile, you know, these two warring dialogues. Mm -hmm. And so what I really set out to do was talk to as many experts as I could, as well as survey about 500 parents to figure out, well, where is the truth here? And is there a positive path forward? And certainly there is a positive path forward, right? Like we, we want to help our, our students and our learners and our, and our own children um, manage this. And as parents, we need to parent in a different way in the real world now. Um, you know, digital parenting is different from pre-digital parenting. And you talk about that in, in part one of your book. Can you share a few ideas around that, Anya? Absolutely. So I think the first uh, most important, you know, I, I boil it down in my book to uh, sort of a Michael Pollan-esque uh, slogan, which is enjoy screens, not too much and mostly together. And the reason I start by saying enjoy screens is I really think that parents need to reframe the debate around the idea that technology has a purpose. Um, it has a use in our lives. It brings us a lot of good things. And the more that we lean into those positive uses, the less we're going to see kind of the um, the negative uses and the fear and also just the turning to technology because for lack of anything else to do. Um, and then the, the not too much is to recognize that, yes, there needs to be a balance. And no matter how engaging technology and media becomes, um, you know, there are there is such a thing as too much. And we can talk a little bit about what that looks like. Uh, and then the mostly together is kind of reminding parents and everyone that, we get the most out of technology when we're using it to connect with others and that our kids really need us to model those uses. Um, and I really compare it to food in other ways as well in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of marketing messages coming in about food and, and a lot of those are unhealthy and they're really, even if the food is healthy, the portions are not healthy. But what you really need to do in your house is create a culture around food where you make it together, you eat it together, uh, you have some treats and you have some some stuff that's better for you and it's part of your day, your week, there's rituals around it and all of that applies to technology as well. So I love that. I love that slogan. That was one of my big takeaways from the book, the things that I remembered the most about it. Um, and, and that's a, a great entry point, I think, for parents as well as as teachers um, who might be parents as well and using this technology in the classroom. Um, so if I'm a parent, what are some quick bullet points that if I'm listening to this podcast, I might take away from um, in terms of how I might um, help my students navigate or my children navigate this idea of screen time? Sure. I mean, um, when I talk to parents, I, I emphasize the importance of protecting sleep. I think that um, keeping sleep hygiene and keeping devices out of the bedroom is probably one of the biggest areas that we're not paying attention to that could have a lot of developmental cascading effects. Um, with regards to the classroom setting, a lot of that um, spills over into, you know, what does the homework situation look like? And is homework taking up four, five, six hours because kids are not prioritizing and they're keeping a lot of tab tabs open. And this is a huge scenario that I hear from a lot of parents, you know, once they brought that device home with them and, and homework was happening on the laptop or the, or the tablet, there's too many distractions and I'm not in control of the time anymore. Um, but, but setting bedtime and keeping bedtime, I think is, is a simple thing that you can do. Not easy, but simple um, to try to maintain um, the balance in your house. Uh, and then uh, the other really big take home I would say is to, and we're going to get into this, I think a little bit later, but 
for parents to look at their own technology use. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whether that has to do with distraction or, you know, getting constant notifications or maintaining your work-life balance, Um, but also to see the positive side of tech. So I think that parents have have a powerful role to keep in touch with people, to manage your life, for productivity, um, and however you use it, your kids need to see that because, um, in the you know in an in a in a pre digital era, when uh, parents are home and they're reading the newspaper, they're making appointments on the phone, or they're looking something up in an atlas. Um, kids can absorb all of that, and that's part of the world and navigating the world. Now we're doing all of that within our phone, and it's opaque. Kids mm-hmm. don't understand what we're doing, so mm-hmm. we really have to talk about it and share it and help them understand. Oh. Uh, and a great example would be I was walking with my daughter to school yesterday and she was counting her steps um, just for fun. And I said, oh, do you know, there's a step counter on the phone and we can both watch it and see how it works. And this is when the accelerometer is. And um, it turned into a really fun kind of moment with the phone. So in part two, you talk to us as parents and you encourage parents to think about how they're using their phone and um, sort of as a precursor into into your idea of mostly together, right? And that's the pedometer is a good example of mostly together. Um, Why is it important for us as the adults or the adult learners in the house to really be reflective and thoughtful about how we're we're, uh, modeling for our, our kids the screen time? Well, I'll just start with a baseline um, statistic, which is that Nielsen, um, as well as Common Sense, both report that adults and specifically parents are using about 11 hours of technology every day. It's 11 hours in proximity to screen media, basically most of your waking hours. And so as much as we are concerned about screen time, um, teenagers use less and school-age children use much less. Uh, Children zero to eight are only on their screens about two hours and 20 minutes a day. And so uh, we're the ones kind of setting the tone and and setting the expectation and the culture that we're going to always have a device within arm's reach. And um, so, you know, anything that we kind of lament about young people, we have to kind of look in the mirror and say, well, what is this the world that we're creating for them? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think the the other part of that as well, to think about what parents need to be doing is that, Obviously, uh, kids are always going to be watching what we do and not what we say. And the times that we're kind of spending, uh, you know, even with with media kind of on in the background, right? So Commons and Media also reported that 42% of parents age zero to eight children uh, had the television on all always or some most of the time when they're home. Um, and so this is an example of kind of keeping a very media heavy environment where it's not a conscious choice a lot of the time, but it, it really is affecting our kids. And there's a lot of good evidence that background TV really cuts into parent child interaction and really kind of generally the peace in the home. Mm-hmm. I think that parent lens um, was a fascinating part to me about the book because I, oftentimes we don't think of it. Uh, the use of screens and screen time through that particular lens and, and sort of putting that mirror back on ourselves and, and being very conscious of what we do. It's interesting to me because some of the feedback that I've gotten on the book um, has been from millennials who don't have children, younger people who actually recognize a lot of this in themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they relate more to the teenager playing video games and they kind of think about there's a lot of, I think, dialogue around among younger adults about how the phone has changed their lives and changed their social interactions. So I think that 
our whole culture is kind of thinking about this um, and trying to figure out if there's a way to evolve. Mm-hmm. And as parents, um, part of that evolution, right, is to get involved and to understand what are what are our kids doing when they're using the screens and um, to also be thoughtful about how we're using them as, as you shared. And I, I made a connection to they're always watching us, as, as you said, and I'm thinking about, you know, as sim- my, my son is learning to drive now. As simple as not having the phone in the front seat, like while I'm driving, um, sort of setting that, setting that standard. Like there's so many things from with this technology from psychological safety to physical safety. And, you know, we really do have to be very thoughtful about it. Absolutely. At the end of your book, there's somewhat of a surprising chapter, the too too long didn't read, (laughs) Uh, the art of screen time in five minutes. But we would definitely encourage people to invest the time in uh, getting into the, the details of what Anya has to share. But is there anything that we haven't shared today that might be in that last um, five-minute screen time summary that you'd like to share with us today? Okay, so this is for people who are uh, looking at the latest study that's being reported on, and, and there are so many studies out there, um, that there's a really important theory for helping interpret all the contradictory evidence that's coming out about kids and screens, and that is the idea of dandelions versus orchids. So across the population, what we see are actually mixed results and very small results when it comes to correlational studies of effects like on ADHD or uh, mental health and technology use. And the theory is that most of our kids are very resilient and they are thriving or doing just fine in the media environment that they're in. And that's even though they're, you know, they may be using technology four, five, six hours a day, it may not be optimal, but they're doing just fine. They're hitting the developmental milestones. They're doing fine in school. They're healthy. Um, you know, and, and again, I kind of have to put in a word for the kids, like teenagers are more physically active than adults. They're healthier than adults. They have more social contact than adults. Um, some of our kids are more sensitive. Those are the orchid kids. They may have a diagnosis, a co-occurring diagnosis, like autism spectrum or ADHD, um, anxiety, depression. These are the kids we have to keep an eye on because they're more likely to be attracted to an unhealthy relationship with media. Media can become a refuge for kids who are experiencing social anxiety or some kind of depression where they don't want to engage face to face. And that can turn into a spiral where they are increasingly turning to the out or to, uh, you know, c- ha- interact without really interacting face to face. And that's where you see kind of the negative um, results spiral out. So you know, basically judge your kid based on your kid. A lot of times parents, I speak at schools and parents will be like, such and such a thing is happening. Is this too much? And I really have to say, well, what is, how is your kid doing? What are their grades? What are their friendships? Are they involved in school and extracurriculars in sports? If other parts of the picture are looking good, then the fact that they like to text their friends is not a problem. You know, it's really, it's, it's something you have to look at in, in the broader context of a human being. And I think our natural human inclination is to generalize about some of these things that that confirm our own biases. And so we see a study that says screen time is bad. We will blow that up and generalize that to everybody. And I like your advice of go back to who the individual is, who the individual student child learner is, and yeah. and how are they navigating you know that particular um, that particular path? How does that apply to them as an individual rather than just blanketing across you know all kids? Good advice. And and the idea of context, right? Because it's not just it's not only about your 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 own kid, but also, you know, where does your kid go to school? How how 
accessible is it the opportunity for physical play dates with other kids face to face like and yes. what are what are the skills that kids are developing i mean my my son is a huge gamer and um i marvel at some of the skills that he's developing negotiation and collaboration and strategy and problem solving with other kids and i know other parents will say you know what he's on he's online too much and sometimes he is um but i really appreciate that lens of looking at your child individually as a child and all these other factors, in, including context. You know, and, and Lynn, I think um, I'm glad that you brought that up because you're also articulating kind of um, a change that parents have to go through because we have a lot of cultural support for the idea of being a soccer parent, you know, mm-hmm. or someone who's supportive of drama, you know, a dance mom, but we don't have a huge framework for talking about how to be a gamer supporting parent and someone who, who, you know, because it gives your child joy, because they're getting skills from it, because this is how they connect with their friends. It's something that you want to support, you know, maybe you wouldn't support them doing it six hours a day. I mean, you could look equally at kids who get involved in a dance program that's six hours a day. And maybe you'd say that's not the best thing for them or what's the long-term gain here for the short-term sacrifice. Um, and so for gaming, that that's also, you know, an important conversation to have, but it doesn't mean that you're not supportive. And I think the more supportive the parents are, um, the more they can steer these interests towards a positive direction. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for that conversation. appreciate the connections um, and great for our listeners. So in this season, Anya, we've added the lightning round questions, um, and we found that it really helps us identify more resources for our listeners, um, in this case, parents or teachers talking to, to parents about screen time um, or mm-hmm. leaders. So are you ready? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about parenting and screen time? Oh, there's so many I can mention, but... Um, you know, if you're a teacher more on the academic side, I would really recommend Mimi Ito's new book um, at UC Irvine. She works on connected learning. Really great stuff. Um, on the parenting side, Anna Humayun, uh, she has a book called Social Media Wellness that's full of really practical tips. And she kind of works on the kind of productivity and, um, uh, you know, executive functioning issues as well. Okay, great. Thank you for those suggestions. And we will add these in the show notes. So Anya, if you're recommending a book on any other topic that you found valuable uh, connected to your work uh, personally or professionally, what book would that be? Um, you know, I, I got a lot out of the book, uh, What Does Technology Want? by Kevin Kelly. It's kind of an interesting theory about the evolution of technology, a very big picture. All right. I haven't seen that one. Have you, Randy? No, I have not. We love when we hear about new books. They're Adding it to the book books. list. Love, love Amazon. One, one, you know, one click purchase. is very dangerous. Yes. <laughs> one click is bad. All right. One more question, Anya, and then we'll invite you to share whatever's next for you. Uh, what online site or resource or person do you learn from regularly? Hmm. I mean, I have a huge gaggle of people on Twitter <laughs> that I learn from all the time, personal learning network. Um, So uh, I guess I'll mention uh, Doug Harris at the Education Research Alliance down in New Orleans, um, because he's a connection to a great kind of community of of education researchers. All right. And we will look for Doug's contact information, our Twitter tag, Twitter handle, and add it to the show notes. Great. So we love this topic. We love uh, your work in this area. And you also do a lot of other work uh, as NPR's education reporter. So 
on that front or any front, what's next for Anya? What, what would you like to share with our audience at this time? I really hope that everybody checks out our new podcast. Uh, it launched last month and it's called Life Kit for Parents. And uh, the theme is, is all research focused, evidence focused. And the theme is helping parents with those really tough questions that they don't know how to talk to their kids about. So things like how to talk to kids about death, about divorce, about race. Um, you know, it's full of research, it's full of rich sound, and um, it is uh, hopefully worth your checking out. All right. Thanks so much for that. And and uh, we did forward that resource on to, to our principals and the, they're going to share it with their parents as well. So mm -hmm. I enjoyed uh, seeing some of the, the topics and the questions that you're that you're uh, investigating there in that podcast. So thanks so much awesome. for joining us today, Anya, for our listeners to learn more about Anya's work. In the show notes, you'll see a variety of links to books that Anya recommended and resources in that uh, podcast as well. Each awesome. episode. Each episode, we leave you with a couple of questions to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. And this episode's question, how has today's conversation altered your thinking about screen time? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or just find out more about the resources that Anya shared in today's episode, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season five, episode 34. That's all for now. We'll see you next episode for a conversation with another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Anya. Thanks, Anya. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. All right, you too. Want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.